Hello and welcome to Deep Dive. From the Japan Times, I'm Oscar Boyd. On Tuesday, the 22nd of October, Emperor Naruhito proclaimed himself Japan's 126th emperor at a state coronation ceremony at the Imperial Palace, which was attended by around 2,000 guests from 180 different countries. Joining me on this episode of Deep Dive to discuss that enthronement ceremony is politics reporter Sakura Murakami, who's been covering the issue for the Japan Times. Sakura, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Our offices, the Japan Times offices, is pretty near the Imperial Palace. It's also pretty near the Hotel Nuwatani, and there have been legions of police around the building recently.、Mm. What's been going on? Well, what happened yesterday on October 22nd was the Sokui no Re Seiden no Gi, which is the official enthronement ceremony、um, where Emperor Naruhito basically proclaims his enthronement to the entire world. And how is what happened yesterday different to what happened in May when you last came on the podcast and talked about the emperor and the abdication? Emperor Naruhito succeeded to the throne on May 1st, marking the change of the imperial era. But the ceremonies that were conducted that day were simpler and meant to signify the inheritance of the throne immediately after his father's abdication. Sokui no re. In contrast, marked the day that Emperor Naruhito made an official declaration of his succession of the throne. When the emperor last changed, there was an almost two year gap between the emperor's succession to the throne and the Sokui no Re, the day of enthronement. So there are two separate ceremonies signifying Emperor Naruhito's ascension to the throne. There are actually multiple ceremonies pertaining to the new emperor's succession to the throne. So there's, for example, the Sokui Go Choken no Gi, His Majesty's first audience ceremony after the accession. Bit of a mouthful. <laughs> that was held in May. So that's what we saw on May 1st. The Sokui no Re was held yesterday. And the Daijo Sai, which is called the official name, English name for it, is the rite of offering of new rice after the enthronement ceremony, is planned for November, as are a number of visits to shrines across Japan as well. Sokui no Re is arguably the most elaborate of the ceremonies given the number of dignitaries coming from all over the world to witness the event. Tell me about that event then. What happened yesterday? The day started with Emperor Naruhito visiting shrines, including a sacred spot within the grounds of the Imperial Palace, dressed in a snow white robe and a black headdress. He made a declaration to the sun goddess Amaterasu, his mythological ancestor, that he would be announcing his enthronement to the world.、Um, Empress Masako was also similarly enrobed in a white kimono with her hair tied up、uh, elaborately. So that was the morning.、Uh, when did all the foreign dignitaries and other guests get involved? That was from 1 pm. The enthronement ceremony took place in the pine chamber of the main building of the Imperial Palace. Right outside the pine chamber, there's a rectangular courtyard that had flags of all sorts of colors. And the guests、um, are seated on the three sides of the courtyard facing the pine chamber. Who was actually in attendance? So, about 2,000 guests, including former members of the Imperial family, politicians and lawmakers. Supreme Court justices and representatives from various businesses and organizations in Japan. 
Then there were also the foreign dignitaries who were there representing some 180 countries and regions and organizations. And these include Prince Charles from the UK's royal family, Transportation Secretary Elaine Chao from the United States, Vice President Wang Qishang from China, and from South Korea, Prime Minister Inyagyong. And one of the most controversial people to attend, um, of course, was Carrie Lam from Hong Kong. Yes, that's right. She was there. Um, just everyone, really, like from all over the world. Once all the guests were assembled facing the Pine Chamber, what happened next? The imperial family then walked in, dressed in full imperial robes. And in the cases of women, they would be wearing like layered kimonos that weigh more than 10 kilograms. Pretty heavy gear. Pretty heavy, yeah. Um, so they all line up. And when I say imperial family, this means imperial family excluding the Emperor Emeritus and the current emperor. Mm -hmm. So that would be Crown Prince Akishino and his family. And they flanked the emperor on his right with the heads of the three branches of power right behind the crown prince as well. And they are standing to the right of the throne at this point. Yes, that's right. Okay, what happens next? The emperor enters the pine chamber, but you can't see him entering the pine chamber because he's walking behind a sort of... Screen? Screen, yes, a screen of sorts. But then he climbs into the takamikura, which is... This 6.5 meter tall octagonal structure with a seat inside, which I guess is the throne. And um, that's sort of elevated by this square dace. It's incredibly grand. It's decorated with black lacquer and gold phoenixes. And um, so the emperor enters this structure. It's a canopied structure, but the curtains are still closed. And he has the imperial sword, the jewels, the royal regalia surrounding him inside that structure as well. And then there's the grand reveal. So his attendants would open up the deep purple curtains and he's there. He's wearing imperial orange robes, uh, the color reserved specifically for the emperor. So this is quite a spectacle then and with all these foreign dignitaries and... Uh... 2,000 other guests looking on. Where is his wife, Empress Masako? Um, Empress Masako is like right next to him. So she makes a similar sort of entrance as well. You can't see her when she walks in, but then she's in a similar structure throne. It's called a Michodai. It's slightly smaller. She's behind the curtains and then the curtains open up and she's standing there in her elaborate robes. So a similarly grand entrance for her as well then? Yeah. Once they've done this big reveal, what's next in the proceedings? Uh, the emperor gives a speech. Um, it's not very long, but it does kind of convey what his aims, aspirations are as emperor. And then the head of the people, so to speak, so that would be Prime Minister Shinzo Abe. He gives a speech of congratulations in return as well. And then Abe gave the Banzai salute. Which basically means 10,000 years, but it just means like long live the emperor. And this word Banzai is repeated three times as part three of the salute. Yeah, three times. That's basically the proceedings. The emperor then walks out, this time in front of 
the pine chamber. So he exits so that um, all the people, the guests that are attending can see him. And his wife, Empress Masako, follows from behind. And then the imperial family members follow him as well. And so that's a total of, what, 30, 40 minutes for the whole ceremony to take place. Okay, so it's quite quick, actually. Yeah, it's very quick. The modern imperial family as we see it, um, and all this traditional attire, for example, all of the ceremonies and rites that we see, these are, historians would say, are invented traditions. This isn't the form that the imperial family maintained throughout their entire history. You said that the emperor gave a speech as part of the ceremony. I want to focus on that now. What did he actually say in the speech and um, how did he use this to present his vision for his future reign? His statement yesterday was by and large pretty much the same as the one he said during his initial enthronement ceremony back in May. So he pledged to act according to the constitution and fulfill his responsibility as the symbol of the state and unity of the people. And he also wished for the happiness of the people and world peace. When we talked on the podcast uh, back in April about the upcoming succession then, uh, we finished that by talking about what we thought Emperor Naruhito would try to achieve following his father's legacy. Does he seem to be following in his father's footsteps at the moment? I would say very much so. It does sound like he's willing to follow in his father's footsteps and you know, he's really drawing on that um, pacifist side, the praying for peace aspect of the emperor that um, his father took quite seriously. And what about Abe's speech? What did he go into there? Abe's speech was you know, just a few words of congratulations and also a lot of words on how much the people of Japan respect the emperor and what the imperial family has done for Japan. But he also was quite sure to mention the whole beautiful harmony aspect of Reiwa, which the government has been sort of mentioning since imperial era name was announced. So he was, he also hoped very much for like a Japan that would be proud and prosperous in beautiful harmony. So a congratulatory speech rather than a political one. Yes. Other than the Sokri no Rei, what other events and proceedings are taking place around the enthronement? The religious rite I mentioned earlier, called the Daijosai, is planned for mid-November, where the emperor prays to the gods for the happiness of the people. And other than that, 550,000 people were also pardoned in celebration of the new emperor's enthronement. A parade was originally planned to take place right after the ceremony. Um, so the emperor and empress was supposed to make their way back to their residence in Akasaka in an open-top Toyota Century. And that's, you know, when they wave to the crowds and all the people on the streets are sort of like waving Japanese flags and all that. Uh, but that parade was postponed until November 10th, out of consideration for the victims of Typhoon Hagabus that hit Japan mid-October. But 
a total of four banquets will still be hosted by Emperor Naruhito over the coming days, one of which was hosted on the evening of the Sokui Nore Seide no Gi. Uh, Prime Minister Abe will also be hosting his own banquet too at the Hotel New Otani, just down the road from the Japan Times offices. Ah, hence all the police presence. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. what kind of things will they be serving at these banquets? So I have the menu for Abe's banquet, and that includes foie gras, scallop and caviar. You've put on your best Marks and Spencer's <laughs> advert voice. <laughs> I want to make it sound as tasty as possible <laughs> to our listeners. Um, eel cooked in Sancho pepper infused balsamic vinegar, seared fugu sushi, a shark fin soup with ise shrimp, lamb and matsutake pie. For dessert, we're going to have Mont Blanc, a chestnut pastry originally from Italy, and also some Hachi Georgima Jersey milk gelato. So, so far we've had not one but two enthronement-related events. We've got the Daijousai planned for November. There's a parade that was organised but now been postponed. We've got four banquets going on as well. This all sounds incredibly expensive. How much are all of these celebrations costing? Over 16 billion yen, so that's about 160 million US dollars is being spent in total for all the ceremonies related to the succession of the throne and changing of the emperor. So that's from ceremonies that happened in May to what will be happening next month as well. And where's this money come from? 3.8 billion yen has been set aside by the National Police Agency for Security and the Foreign Ministry will be spending about 5.1 billion yen to receive all the foreign dignitaries who will be flying in to attend the ceremonies. And the, as for the ceremonies themselves, the Cabinet Office has set aside 3.6 billion. Uh, the Defence Ministry is also expected to spend about 300 million yen in related fees as well. So an absolutely staggering amount is being spent on this, $160 million, 16 billion yen. Yeah, that's right. Has this caused any controversy, the amount of money that's being spent on these ceremonies? The thing about these ceremonies is that they're very religious to varying degrees by nature. For example, a lot of the associated rituals and objects, such as the emperor praying to the sun goddess or the royal regalia and the sword, the things that justify the emperor's status, basically, are steeped in religious myth. This goes against a stipulation in the Japanese constitution that there must be a separation of state and religion. So if this goes against the constitution, someone must have kicked up a fuss about it, if not now, then during previous enthronements. Yeah, this issue came up before, during the coronation of Emperor Emeritus Akihito, in relation to how the Daijosai ceremony should be funded. In the end, the government stated that the Daijosai is too religious in nature to be considered a state activity, but it maintained that the rite itself was traditional and it was in the public interest to conduct it, and claimed it would be appropriate to be funded by the Imperial Household Agency. This is a bit of a technicality, though, as the IHA, the Imperial Household Agency, is still a part of the government and it is still technically being funded by taxpayers' money. But as you just said, it's not just the Daijosai, which is religious in nature. Some of the ones you were describing earlier also seem to have quite prominent religious elements. So are people not questioning those as well? Naturally, people are asking, 
why is the state funding all of these activities? Why are the people's taxes being spent on this? And even Crown Prince Akishino, the next in line to the throne, made headlines last year by actually raising this question at a news conference. He said that the Daijosai, which is the most religious of the events related to the emperor's enthronement, shouldn't come out of palace-related expenses set aside by the imperial household agency, but instead should be funded by the allowance set aside for the imperial family members' personal use. But note that the imperial family had most of its wealth confiscated following World War II and is now pretty much entirely funded by taxpayers' money. So even if such a ceremony was paid for from personal allowances, it is still effectively coming out of taxpayers' money. So how is the government justifying the expenditure for all of these celebrations? Well, the ceremonies like the Sokuinore, which happened yesterday, are considered what's called a kokujikoi, or a state activity. The idea is that it's part of the emperor's role as the symbol of the state to conduct these activities, so the state will fund it. This is a pretty momentous time for Japan. We've seen a new era name being announced. We've had all these foreign dignitaries coming over to celebrate the enthronement of a new emperor, the 126th emperor of Japan. But is anyone actually questioning the imperial family? Has there been much of a debate surrounding the position of the imperial family and this enthronement ceremony? The easiest way to answer that question, I think, is to compare this current enthronement to the previous enthronement that took place from 1989 to 1990. At that time, there was a lot of debate and contention around the imperial family because the previous emperor at the time, Emperor Showa, had been emperor throughout World War II and, well, wasn't very popular, basically. The debate grew so heated that when it came to the issue of carrying the Takamikura, the throne, from Kyoto to Tokyo in time for the Emperor Emeritus Akihito's coronation, the self-defense force had to make a secret mission of it because they were worried the, they would be attacked and the, the throne would be destroyed. There were a lot of lawsuits around that time as well, claiming that these ceremonies were unconstitutional. Three of them actually went to the Supreme Court, but the Supreme Court ruled against the plaintiffs and said that the ceremonies weren't unconstitutional because it didn't necessarily influence people's religious values. That was the 1989-90 enthronement. What have we seen this time around? There just isn't that much of that kind of debate this time around. I think people take for granted that the imperial family exists and they don't really question its validity. I think that's showcased in the slight shift of the Japanese Communist Party's stance regarding the imperial family. Before, they were more outspoken about questioning whether Japan should have an imperial family at all. But now that the public is quite supportive of the imperial family, they've softened their tone and their critique of the imperial family has been directed more towards it following elements of the constitution instead of the validity of its very existence. What about the media and the public? Yeah, the media have also remained largely silent on the issue too. The overall tone is one of celebration and well-wishing, but there isn't much coverage that questions whether the imperial family should exist or not, for example. Am I right in saying then that the current lack of debate stems directly from the current imperial family's relative popularity? I wouldn't go 
so far as to say it stems directly from their popularity. But it's true that public sentiment towards the imperial institution was very different in 1989. And I guess in that respect, it was easier to be critical of the institution and the family. It was also the first time Japan held these succession ceremonies after the war and since the new constitution was introduced in 1947. So there was a lot of space to discuss whether these ceremonies should be held at all. Public sentiment towards the imperial family has changed a lot since and now about 70% of people have favourable views of the emperor according to a poll taken in September by public broadcaster NHK. That's an uptick from 22% back in 1988. So if there aren't any debates at the moment about the existence of the imperial family, can we expect to see any changes in the near future to the imperial institution? Well, yes, because the special law that allowed for Emperor Emeritus Akihito's abdication also said that the issue of whether women should be able to succeed the throne and the overall issue of how to maintain the imperial family while there's a lack of male heirs has to be debated as well. So that's a debate that we'll probably be seeing in the near future within the diet. That being said, um, earlier this week, Chief Cabinet Secretary Yoshihide Suga was asked about this, was asked about the debate that should be happening. And he sort of deflected questions saying, we have to focus on making sure that all of these rites and rituals and ceremonies pertaining to the emperor's succession go smoothly. And, you know, those kinds of debates will happen in due time. The public is in favor of seeing a woman on the throne and also having the throne passed down the maternal line of the family. Polls consistently show that over 70% are in favor of seeing female empress, basically. Then again, the imperial family and the imperial institution is quite slow in changing. So even though the public is in favor, it's not going to be a fight that's easily won. Well, thank you, Sakura for joining me in the studio today. Thank you. That was Sakura Murakami, and you've been listening to Deep Dive with me, Oscar Boyd. You can find links to all of her coverage of the enthronement ceremony in the episode notes. If you've enjoyed this episode, subscribe, rate, and review Deep Dive on whichever podcast platform you're using, or share it with someone you think might like it. You can find more episodes just like this one on all major podcasting platforms, If we're not yet on your favourite one, please do let us know by tweeting us at Japan Deep Dive. Until next time, Potsukare-sama.